Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. God bless you. You guys doing well this morning? I love that. Now, uh, this morning, what a dilemma, right? Uh, we have the wind and the warmth. Which one do you choose, right? <laughs> it was good. Uh, good to see you. I want to start off this morning um, by thanking our leader of our women's ministry, Debbie. I'm not sure if she's in here this morning, but uh, uh, yesterday's event, I wasn't there. I didn't qualify, um, but uh, I heard it was an amazing event. So uh, I just, you know, yeah, exactly. It was a great event. I just want to encourage you, you know, I mean, it seems like we've been in a uh, 15-month reopening. Just encourage you to get to those things. You know, there's safety precautions there, um, but it's just an amazing fellowship, and we need each other, right? So we love you guys. Great job, Debbie. Uh, hello to those online. Uh, it's windy out here, so uh, I pray you're warm. Uh, I also want to start this past week, we uh, celebrated and recognized veterans. Uh, here at North Shore, and me personally, um, I have high, high respect and appreciation for our veterans. Uh, and so this morning, I just wanted to, to pray for them, and I want you to join me in this way. You know, if you know a veteran, um, and, you know, someone that served, you know, maybe in your distant past, maybe someone serving right now, uh, just as a sign of uh, remembrance and appreciation, uh, I invite you to stand with me uh, just recognizing them, and you know their names, so I invite you to stand if you know a veteran and you want to appreciate them. And as you stand there, uh, much like I'm doing now, I want you to remember them, truly, them, personally. And what I love about our veterans, I mean, it's such a picture of Jesus, of selfless sacrifice, and we're the direct beneficiaries of them and their service, right? We stand here right now doing this, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ because of men and women who fought, who served, some who have died, right, and who are serving now. And it's no little thing. And so I hope here at North Shore, um, those of you that come here that serve, who have served, know our deep, deep appreciation. So as you remember those people, will you pray with me? Father God, we come before you, and we lift up to you men and women who have served in the past our country here, men and women who are serving today. Father, and we ask you to bless them. Even now, Father, would they get an overwhelming sense of your presence? knowing the appreciation uh, that their fellow Americans have for them. I pray blessings on their family because not just the, the person who is serving that is called to serve. It's an entire family. Some families have paid the ultimate price and lost the loved ones. So, God, I do pray your blessing, your presence, your love over them. And I pray that us as a church will never forget our veterans, and we will always be a place that holds them up in esteem and honor for the selfless sacrifice that they've given to us. And we just pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, you may be seated. 
Good. If you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. We're going to be in Jonah, for the most part, Jonah chapter 2. And for Jonah chapter 2, I love it. I, I would say it's the most famous section of Jonah. And like the entire story of Jonah, it is full of twists, highs and lows and surprises. And I would say this might be one of the biggest surprises, maybe why it is so famous. And today as we step into this, we're going to be surprised by grace. We're going to be surprised by grace. Now what is grace? Biblical grace is simply unmerited favor, generously being given something that you did not earn, you don't deserve. It's grace. And today we're going to learn about it in a fish story. You know, fish stories, the Bible's full of amazing fish stories. Because a fish story, you remember, right? You remember. I've got a fish story for you. Ready? You probably won't forget this one. <laughs> I was a little kid. My dad had the week off from work, and he was going to go fishing on a Monday morning. So um, I uh, came down with a sickness on Monday morning. <laughs> just wasn't, just couldn't go to school. You know, I was playing hooky. Uh, of course, once the bus took off and my brothers and sisters are gone and there's no way to get me to school, lo and behold, I was cured, okay? So all of a sudden, I'm doing I'm better. And my dad, he allowed me to go fishing with him. So we went fishing. So we're fishing out there. I'm on the dock fishing. All of a sudden, bam, I got a hit, a big old bite. And I started reeling this thing, and it was, it was heavy, that pole was bending. I was like, whoa. My dad, you know, he gets all excited and he's standing there. I'm reeling and I'm reeling and I'm reeling. All of a sudden, it started becoming more and more clear what I'd caught. He said, what is that? My dad said, I'm looking. I don't know. I don't know. And it's coming up. It's something, not a fish. All of a sudden, it comes to the surface. It's a fishing pole. My hook had got in the tip of the eye of a fishing pole. Okay, and I'm reeling this thing, and whoa. Well, there's a backstory to this, okay? So the Sunday before that, the day before, the whole family went fishing to this place. And we had a neighbor, and he's a classic neighbor, just old, grouchy guy, right? Uh, pretty wealthy. Well, he's talking to my older stepbrother, uh, and he says, I bought this fishing pole. I mean, it's like the fishing pole of fishing poles. I don't know why, but he said, you can take it fishing with you. So that Sunday, my older brother took this a really expensive fishing pole, and we went fishing at the same lake. You know where this is going. So he's sitting there fishing on that dock, and all of a sudden got a bite. It wasn't paying attention. Guess what happened to that expensive fishing pole? Boom. Oh, he looked gone. So we're driving home that day, and but you know, back in those days, uh, my allowance, our allowance was a dollar a week. So it's going to take him a year to pay for this fishing pole. So his life is just ruined. He is a mess. Going to have to go tell the grouchy neighbor that it's going to take him a year to pay back this prize fishing pole that he had lost. <laughs> I tell you what, a Monday after school, when he shows up, and guess what I have in my hands? I got that fishing pole. He was shocked. He was surprised. He couldn't believe the grace that found his way. 
because all of a sudden his life got to get back on track, right? He doesn't have to give up his allowance. And guess what? A little icing on the cake. When I reeled that pole in, guess what was still on it? The fish that he caught, too, was still there. We got that, right? True story, true story, promise you. Uh, so today, we're going to be surprised by grace in a fish story. That's a Jonah's fish story. We're going to see God's grace. So if you are in Jonah chapter 2, uh, we're going to look at that first surprise. Our first surprise is we're going to be surprised that God goes with us. God goes with us further than you think. And we're going to start in uh, chapter 1, actually, verse 17. And here's what happens, okay? Well, kind of the lead up to this, to God's provision. Is Jonah was uh, on a ship running from God, right? Didn't want anything to do with God. And it's come to find out, and he knew it, that this storm in the sea was because of him. God trying to get his attention. And verses calling out to God. He says to the sailors, it's me. Throw me into the sea. And guess what? Okay. They throw him to the sea. Because he would rather die, he thought. He would rather die than do what God has him to do and be who God has him to be. So off he goes into the sea. And right at that moment, God's provision hits. Verse 17, look at that. Again, maybe one of the most famous stories in our scriptures. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So it says that God appointed, that, that Hebrew word there is ordained, like a minister is ordained, sent on a mission for God. To serve, uh, to be a purpose for people's lives so that they would see what God has for them and the calling. So as Jonah, running from God, goes into the sea, boom, God provides a great fish. Many think a whale. So if I say a whale, it's because, like many of us, veggie tails have tainted me, okay? Um, uh, but the scriptures say a great fish. It's a huge, big fish that swallows him, okay? Appointed by God for the purposes of God. Ordained. Now, it's a miracle. I hear this often, and I've been hearing it more often. I don't believe the story of Jonah, the whale. Why? Because I've never experienced I don't know. I can't put it in any category in my life. It is a miracle, okay? And I tell you what, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not even the greatest miracle. There are great miracles all through our faith. In fact, I think this, okay? I think we miss so many miracles. Because if we can't see, if we can't touch it, it doesn't exist. It's not real. We need to be people that see miracles. I think miracles are happening around us all the time. You know, did a fish swallow Jonah? I believe yes. Seems to, Jesus believed it. It's a miracle. And we serve a God, we serve in a kingdom of miracles. So he was provided, and, and this miracle, three days, three nights, was a sign, a sign of God's power that's really important to the mission in, coming up in Jonah. And Jesus in Matthew 12 actually calls this the sign of Jonah. 
a reflection of God's power. And it plays a huge role in Jesus' ministry. And when he is rebuking some people of his time, it becomes a sign for us. It's why it's so wildly popular. It's an incredible moment, surprising moment. And what's most surprising, I believe, this, is who this miracle is done for. Jonah, a rebel, running from God. I want nothing to do with you. I would rather die than do what you want. Does he deserve a miracle? Surprised by grace. Surprised by grace. God ordained, appointed a great fish for him when he least deserved it. In this story, getting to chapter 2, what we see is we see that God was faithful to his promises even when Jonah was not faithful. A friend of mine on Orcas Island, uh, Len Sweet, he's a Christian author, uh, I was reading his stuff on Jonah, and he, he tells this story, and I just love it. It just paints this picture of what's happening in this scene. And it's the picture of what happens uh, in the Native American culture in a rite of passage for a young boy. Okay? They take this young boy out. They blindfold him, take him deep into the woods, deep, deep into the woods at night. And they put him there, and they leave, and they... T- he can take the blindfold off, and they said, in the morning, in light, you can come back and find your way home. And that is your pathway to maturity, to adulthood. So that boy takes that blindfold off. You imagine, you ever been in the dark? When every sound, every chirp feels like it's a monster coming to get you. Danger's just right there. I can't see it. You're terrified. You're afraid. And so you start seeing the morning light slowly but surely kind of wake up the day. You can't wait to see it. And it says in this story, and Len's talking about this, what happens then, that boy starts seeing just off in the distance a figure starting to become visible with the light. It becomes more and more visible. And when he sees and recognizes it, it's his father. The father stays just outside of sight. And guards and watches him. He is present. When he doesn't know he's there, he can't see him. He can't feel him. That his father is there standing watch for him. That is a picture of what God our father does. This is a promise that Jonah steps into in chapter 2, verses 1. Look at him. He's he's in there. The, the, The fish comes, the great fish, and swallows him. And he says this, that he cries out to the Lord his God in verse 1. And he hears him. See, Jonah knows that God's promises, God's promise is to be with us wherever we go. Joshua 1.9, be of strong courage that God is with us wherever you go. Even when you say no to God, I don't want you, I don't want you around, guess where he is at? He's there. God is there. He was there for Jonah. When reality bit in that moment, all of a sudden, Jonah, ah, death isn't, doesn't sound so good. God is there. He was there the whole time. You see in this story of Jonah, in this 
aspect of Jonah being swallowed by a fish for three days and three nights. God is there. God is with him. Proverbs 18.10. It says God is a strong tower. He is our safe place to go. Jonah, in his distress, cries out. He is terrified now. Life, he thought he could handle it, right? Overwhelmed him. But God's promise of protection is there. A great fish. Protect him. Understand that this fish is actually like an incubator for Jonah to care for him, to protect him. He would have drowned in that sea, but he survived in that fish that God ordained for him. God protected him. He heard him. He was there. And so this lesson that we have to understand that God goes with us further than you think. No matter how far you drift from God, no matter how hard you run away want to do your own thing, God's got a promise for you. And he's going to surprise you by his grace. He's going to be there. He's going to love you when you don't love him. He's going to believe what he has for you when you don't believe what he has for you. God is with us further than you think. Let's look at the next surprise. God allows us to sink further than you think. See, Jonah's story, if you look all the way back to chapter 1, is a story of Jonah progressively getting lower and lower, further and further away from God, sinking deeper and deeper. He gets a call from God, very first verse of Jonah. What happens? He says, he goes down to Joppa. And there at Joppa, he goes down to a ship to Tarshish to flee God. And when he's in that ship, he goes down to the lower inner parts of that. He's just trying to get away from God. But you see him, he's sinking deeper and deeper, emotionally, physically, spiritually, sinking lower and lower and lower. And in verse 3, we see him as he describes, as he's cast into the sea, Verse 3 starts, uh, just grab this picture and really the, the art of this as he describes sinking in the sea. Verse 3, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Verse 5, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. Jonah is just sinking in the sea. And if you're afraid of water, this probably creeps you out, right? Like, ugh. But he's sinking further and further. In verse 6, we see he hits rock bottom. He hits rock bottom at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. And when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Jonah sank to the lowest point, to the root of the mountains, as low as you can go. He sank down emotionally, 
relationally. He is far from anyone he knows. Spiritually. He is hitting rock bottom. And it actually says in verse 7, my life was fainting away. He hit rock bottom to, to the brink of death. The wages of sin is death. Jonah's sin of not living by faith in God has separated him so far from God that he is dying emotionally, relationally, physically, and spiritually. He's paying the dear cost of sin. So here's a question. Why does God allow us to sink so deep? Why does he allow us to sink so deep? This is a sad section of the story of Jonah. It's sad. But we're going to look at God's allowance. Why does he allow us to sink so deep? Luke chapter 9, verse 23. God says this. That we have to, if we want to save our life, if we want the life that God has for us, we have to lose our life. What he's getting at this is we have to come to the end of ourselves. One of the hardest human things to do is to step away from self-reliance. I know best. I know, I know. To release it to God. The whole Jonah, first two chapters, you just see Jonah white-knuckling his experience, just holding tight. He will not release it. You see God prying his fingers off to say, no, no, here's what I need from you, Jonah, all people. It's why I allow you to sink so deep because I need you to live by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 calls us into this. To trust God with our life. To fully trust God with every aspect of our life. That his ways are better than ours. And release to him. So that we can make space for his amazing grace in our lives. So it can work and take us to what John 10.10 says is what Jesus came to bring us. And that's life and life abundantly. He says, I allow you to sink as far as you want to go. Because remember, what will turn Jonah around is living by faith. And it's a beautiful, amazing U-turn. Instant. Our eyes go to faith. Boom. We soar, we rise on the wings of eagles versus sinking to rock bottom. But he allows us because he needs us to walk by faith to create space to receive his beautiful grace. And so at rock bottom, Jonah was surprised by grace, surprised at what God allowed him. So this is where the story turns and gets amazing. Well, that's all amazing. In Jonah's rock bottom, in this lowest of moments, we see God's restoration goes further than you think. Look at Jonah's restoration. Jonah 2, verse 7 and 8. When my life was fainting away, 
I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, he says. At rock bottom, Jonah spiritually awoken. He says this, is, as I'm sinking, as my life, in verse 7, is fainting away, I remember you, Lord. I remember you. I remember you, God. Yes, I remember how good you are, what you have for me. And in verse 8 there, I think what he's doing there, he, I think he's remembering him. Chasing vain idols. Where he was king of his life. It was going to be his way. He would not go to Nineveh where God had called him. No, I will not do that. I will not live the life that you have for me. I know better. I'm going to chase me. I'm going to chase these idols, these other things. I'm going to go off to Tarshish where it's a land of plenty, of wealth and fun. I think John was thinking of himself in verse 8. Think about everybody else that he experienced that have done that. He said, man, man, they are missing hope of God's love. They're missing it. They're missing it. So as he's fainting away, he remembers God. He has this awakening. And verse 9 is cool, what he does with it. And I think it's a call for all of us. Verse 9 says, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. <laughs> what he's saying is this, is, God, I remember. I remember. I am thankful for everything you've given me, what you've promised me. I, I understand it. I understand it now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to recommit my life to you. No more me. It's going to be you. I'm going to recommit my life. I'm tired. I'm tired of it being about me. And I will do and go wherever you tell me to go and whatever you tell me to do. God, I'm going to live by faith. My life is in your hands. Take me, all of me. Because salvation, because salvation belongs to you. No other place. You can't find it running. You can't find it in sin. You can't find it in friends. You can't find it there. It can only be found in you, God, in salvation. And for us, that salvation comes through Jesus Christ, his work on the cross for us. It is the only way, the only way in which we can be saved. But the world calls you. It tries to lure you in. And man, it is amazingly good at its efforts of trying to pursue you every aspect. But Jonas, I don't want any of that. Salvation belongs to you. <laughs> and I love this. His restoration of verse 10. Uh, I, I, I try to picture this scene because he is restored. He's fully restored. This whale comes out, and, it's in, and uh, ESV says it, it vomits him up. Some of yours say he spit 
him up. I'd be like, what does that even look like? You know, how cool is that? You imagine being there like, whoa, hey, hi, right? <laughs> but he fully restores him. What he does is he takes him and he puts his feet back on the track of where he had called him, who he had him to be. He says, Jonah, you were created, you were equipped to be the man I called to go to Nineveh and preach to them. And he took him and he put his feet right back on track. So you're back on shore, it's that way. See, Jonah's a big deal. We're still talking about him. You can go to the most biblical, illiterate person and say, hey, have you heard of Jonah? Guess what they'll say? Yes. I mean, he's one of the most famous people in all of history, Jonah, he's a big deal. This little four-chapter story is a big deal to God. And God knew it. He said, Jonah, I'm going to put you here. I'm going to fully restore you. You are back because of my grace. You can go experience and have the life that I created for you to have, even though you don't deserve it. You know, what does he deserve? You name it. Right, knuckle sandwich, or what do you what do you call it? Right, swift kick into high knee. What does he deserve? But what does he get? See God. What does he get? This is what God does. He is fully restored. An amazing moment, surprised by God's amazing and beautiful grace. So it's important. This is how did Jonah get there? Okay, because. Whatever that is, let's do that, okay? Let's look at it. <laughs> How did he get there? What is the process? What is Jonah's process for this restoration? And you really go through the entire uh, book, the first two chapters of Jonah to, to discover this. First thing we see that it was through prayer, that Jonah humbled himself before God. In verse 1, chapter 2 there, you see, what did he do? Once he got in there and he knew this isn't good. This is going to cost me my life. All it closed around him. He prayed. You know how much humility that took? I mean, you could feel the arrogance of Jonah on that boat. It's me. He could have prayed right there, right? God, I'm sorry. Let's get this right. Um, I'll take the next boat back to Joppa and here we go. Nope. Throw me in. I'm not doing what God says. I know it's me, guys. Throw me in there. But when he got in there, he prayed. Not so confident anymore, is he? He's humbled before God. God, I need you desperately. I need you, God. So he humbles himself before God. And then he does this. He goes to the word of God. To the trusted word of God that he knew What's really interesting about this section, chapter 2, in Jonah, it is a psalm. It's a prayer psalm to be sung and prayed. And where did Jonah get these words? Almost all, every one of these phrases are from the book of Psalms. David's psalms, they're the church's worship songs. They're what the sermons were about. So he is remembering this word of God that he had hidden in his heart in these desperate moments. And what he starts doing is he starts, this is who you are, God. This is what you say, God. 
the power of the word of God, the power of praising God in worship. When we come and sing, it's not just something for you to survive. It's something for you to proclaim deep in your heart because there'll be a time when you're in trouble. The night is dark and you're gonna remember a worship song. You're gonna remember God. And here's what I love about this. Uh, Jonah's Psalms that he is quoting. He does not quote them exactly. It's like CPR, okay? When CPR happens, okay, I've heard this. I believe it's true. I've never given CPR. Um, Well, not in a real event. But they say when it really happens, most people don't get it right. But you don't have to. The heart of what you're doing to get that air flowing, that blood pumping, Right? If you get the heart of that, there's the power. That's where the power is, not being some expert in, what is it, staying alive, whatever it is now, you know what I mean? <laughs> a lot of you are thinking about The Office right now, aren't you, right? <laughs> it's a funny show. Uh, and so uh, they have the CPR scene. But what happens is you don't have to get it exact. You have to get the heart of what God is saying. That's what Jonah does. Chapter 2 is about him saying, I remember, I remember. Here's your word, God. Here's your word. This is what I can stand on. This is going to be a lamp for my, my, my feet. It's going to be a protection for me. Is your word, your songs that your community sings in faith. It's powerful. That's what Jonah does. He remembers the word of God. And that changes him. It changes his heart. You look at verse 4. He says this in chapter 2. He says, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Uh, His holy temple is where his presence, it's where his work is in that time. So he says, I'm going to look again to that because that's you, that's where you are. His eyes are refocused on God. He has a transformation of his life. They're focused on himself and what he didn't want to do, wouldn't do. He says, I'm looking at your holy temple in Jerusalem. I remember in your presence and everything you promised and you've done. My eyes are on you, God. That's what Jesus calls us, right? Eyes on him, the anchor of our faith. To set our eyes on him. That's what he calls us to do. If we're going to receive God's grace and all that he has, we have to set our eyes on him over all the storms and confusions around us, the pains, the heartaches, the joys, all of it, eyes on Jesus. He goes, to, he keeps going, he says this, his hope changes. I, I read it earlier. He says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. In the belly of that fish, hope rose again for Jonah. He remembered it. And I love that he says that in the belly of the fish. Do you think he thought he was going to survive that? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think his hope rose above his circumstance. And he remembered God's love, everything he promised. And I think he got to this place as, I'm good. I'm good. I don't know how this is going to end. But I know how this is going to end. You with me? Isn't that a lot of what life happens? I don't know how this is going to end, but I know how it's going to end because I know who's in charge 
if my eyes are on him, if my hope is in him because he loves us. I think this is the sweetest, highest point of this entire book. Jonah talking about the love of God, the hope of God in his life. Such a different vibe than we've seen so far and that you're going to see later just so you know. But receiving God's grace and his full restoration comes from when we have a transformed change of heart. Our eyes are on God. Our hope is in God and his love that he has for us. And then Jonah steps in. He made a commitment. Verse 9. He talked about it a little bit already. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Only you, God, only you can provide grace. I can't give myself grace. Only God, through Jesus, can come in the space that we open up when we live by faith. And this is the great fish story of Jonah. Surprised by grace. I don't think he thought this would end this way. I don't think we, if you would have told us the first part of the story, thought it would end this way. But God is good and he is powerful. And he's full of grace, full of love. And he doesn't want any of us to sink away from him. But in turn, to say yes by faith to him. So what's our next step? So what is our next step? What do we do with this story? I love Jeremiah 29, 11. Just a reminder to God's people at this time that are in captivity. But really it's a reminder of God's character to all of us. Right? So it's probably my favorite verse. Uh, God's just saying to his people, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. The plans to give you a hope and a future to prosper you, not harm you. And he actually says, later verse, and we can have that when we call to him. So our next step is this, is knowing that God has a plan for you, a good plan, a beautiful plan. I'd call it a fingerprint plan of your life, of the things that he wants you to do to be about, to impact this world. And that call isn't always easy. I would say this, it's rarely easy, but it's good. It's right. And you'll have deep joy in your life. Sometimes not happiness, but joy means that peace of the Lord as you're walking out sometimes those steep hills. God has a plan for you. And what gets in the way of that plan is something called sin. Anything not done in faith is sin, Romans 14, 23 tells us. So we do not live by faith. We step away from God. We turn our hearts and our eyes away from God, and we're in sin, and that sin separates us from God. That sin shuts off grace's work in our lives, and God says, I want you to know. I've got this abundant life for you, and we've get into that place, that place of his abundant life through faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. It's the only way. It's through Jesus Christ. And in that, he blesses, gives us grace in every aspect of our lives. So I don't know where you're at today. But I want you to ask this question. Where do you need to be surprised by grace? Where do you need to be surprised by grace? Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus Christ 
as your personal Lord and Savior. You haven't received his grace of salvation. Start there. We're going to have teams. You see these lit areas over here. It's our prayer teams. There are people that will be there to pray with you. I'll be right there. You can come pray with me. There's a prayer room back there. Online, there's a prayer room for you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, take that first step of grace. But there's many of us who have been living with the Lord for a long time, and we've allowed our eyes to get here, and we need God's amazing grace, his beautiful grace. I encourage you to step in. Maybe you need to recommit your entire life, maybe just an area of your life to him to say, God, no more, no more running. I'm going to trust what you have for me is better than what I have for